all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Uh, follow us Instagram, Twitter, nope, X, X, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, Blue Sky, Threads, at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, and our Discord. Do all of those things. Promptly. Even though, <laughs> even though we don't do half We of don't them. do all of those things. <laughs> We're just available. Yes. It's on there. Um, keep sending in the scripts. And thank you for the gentle reminders for those who are like, hey, haven't done mine yet. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. That is fair. Yes. I requested that and I appreciate that. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Please and please. Yes, please and please. And thank you. Um, and we will likely be doing one next week. So, <laughs> yes. Good chance of that. Yes. I did manage to bust one out on my own this time, though. It's been a minute. Um, but I did. Very nice. I did, yeah. When's your script coming out? Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed because I'd cry otherwise. <laughs> no. So, um... Obviously, since um, I may not have mentioned recently that I've been to Scotland. You might not have. <laughs> recently as well. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I'm not drinking the right country's fake beer. I am drinking... Well, close enough. I am drinking a Guinness Zero. Or Zero Percent. I don't know. What, what do they call it? A Guinness... Guinness Zero. Yeah, it's a non-alcoholic NA beer. It is not half bad. I've actually been really enjoying, because I like the the flavor of Guinness. Do you want to try it? Yeah, that's okay. Really? Oh, <laughs> you don't yeah, even want to try it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you're not a huge Guinness fan, but mm-hmm. in the first place, let alone. Mm, it's, it tastes like a regular Guinness? Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Actually, the, um, the canned ones aren't too bad. They've got that stopper in there, so it's... The, the yeah. carbonator thingy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That little plastic ball in it, yeah. Um, well, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm having my uh, favorite national local beer, Naturally. of course. <laughs> so, of course, it made the most sense for me to go ahead and do a Scottish disaster, yes. right? Yeah. Um, I think we've only done one. I think we've only done the Clutha. Just the Clutha? Uh huh. Helicopter. Which crash. you went to. Went to Clutha. The Clutha. The uh, nightclub. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um. It and I think I may have mentioned this in our last episode, but whatever. Um. I never remember what I say. <laughs> <laughs> um. They uh. Like I was standing there, I could imagine how like completely jarring it would be to sure. like, well, yeah. the city. Yeah. Like on the river in a city. I mean so. it'd be it'd be one thing if your like country was at war. Like that'd kinda be like well, oh, okay. I mean... But you're just hanging out at a nightclub and then all of a sudden Yeah, it's it's horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah. yeah so. Nobody's uh nobody's thinking about that. Like 
Get, need to watch out for the helicopters the, right? falling out of the sky tonight. Jesus, yeah, no <laughs> like kidding. Said no one ever when they're right? when they were planning to go out. Yep, yep. Um, so this one I heard about. No, I I read about it. Either I don't know if I just googled. I heard about it while we were in Scotland. I don't know if I just googled Scottish disasters or, like, happened upon it. I kind of forget. But it is fascinating. It is horrible. Um, But this is the story of the Cairngorms Plateau disaster. Okay. Just based on the the name, do you have any idea what either of those things mean? It could be all sorts of things. What do you think the Cairngorm Plateau is? Uh, it sounds like a like a field somewhere. Mm. Yeah, like a I don't it's know. You're sort of on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> so, over the weekend of November twentieth, nineteen seventy one, an ill-fated mountain expedition to the Cairngorm Mountains resulted in six deaths Ooh. in what remains Britain's worst mountaineering accident. Okay. Being a little deliberately vague in the description because we're going to get into it. Primary sources are BBC News, The Herald, Scotland, uh, Cairngorms National Park, and Wikipedia. Oh, so this is a national park on top of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is Britain's second national park. Uh, As of 2003, it was made a national park. So, um, So I must set the scene for everyone now that I have been there. <laughs> um, if you've ever heard of the rolling hills of Scotland, um, it's real. It's very hilly. <laughs> very hilly. Even Edinburgh is extremely hilly um, and has a castle on a mountain in the middle of the, or mm-hmm. I guess a hill in the middle of the city. Um, but there are actually three separate full-blown mountain ranges in Scotland. There's the Northwest Highlands in the north, <laughs> the Grampian Mountains, and the Southern Uplands. So, Northwest Highlands, yep, up in the northwest part of the country. The Grampian Mountains are in the central part of the country. We're talking north to south here. And the Southern Uplands are in the far south of the country where it borders with England. So, I do have a map. Didn't have this prepared. Here we go. So you can see, like, that's a that's an, a topographical map yeah. of Scotland. So the Northwest Highlands. Very, very uh, mountainy. Yes. Grampians and Southern Uplands. Okay. So. Almost um, looks like that's how they were formed. It that, is. That part of the... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. These are... Uh, these are, you know, these mountain ranges came to be as mountain ranges come to be through seismic activity. Um, interestingly, and this I did not know, there's a, there's multiple fault lines in Scotland. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either. But paradoxically, there aren't many earthquakes. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Um, especially not serious ones, though they're not outside the realm of possibility, but that's not what we're covering today. Uh, the mountain range we'll be focusing on today is the Grampian Mountains, so in that central part, and specifically the Cairngorms within the the Grampians. We're gonna we're gonna have a lot of Celtic words in here, Scottish okay. or not Celtic. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Strike that 
Scottish Gaelic. <laughs> That's the correct term. I have a lot of Scottish Gaelic words, so I will likely mispronounce. Pispronunciate many of my worms here. Um, so the Grampian Mountains, all told, make up about half of Scotland's land area. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. It's, it's right in the middle. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, the area of the Cairngorms, so the Cairngorm Mountains, became a national park in 2003, aptly named the Cairngorms National Park. Um, and it takes up a pretty big chunk of central eastern Scotland. It's kind of like this bit right here. Okay. In here. Um, geographically speaking, um, in terms of cities, it's north of Perth, which itself is just a little north of Edinburgh, um, over the Firth of Forth. It is west of Aberdeen and south southeast of Inverness. And it is considered to be in the Scottish Highlands. It's kind of like at the start of the, the Scottish Highlands. The A9 motorway runs along uh, and in the western side of the park. I can confirm. I have driven the A9 motorway. Mm -hmm. Or I've ridden. My oh, dad okay. was driving. but um, And it is really beautiful. It, it absolutely is. Very famously, Balmoral Castle a giant castle that belongs to the Ro British royal family, is actually in the National Park. Okay. It's actually in Cairngorms. Um, and speaking of Cairngorms, what is a Cairngorm? I have no idea. <laughs> I know, right? It comes from the name of a single mountain within the range, Cairngorm, two separate words. This is Cairngorm. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, huh? Like, that's a proper mountain. That's a mountain mountain. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and technically, it is a Munro. Okay. M-U-N-R-O. That is a mountain in Scotland that is over 3,000 feet, or 914 meters high. There's a total of 55 Munros in this park. Um, and interestingly, Munro was a person. <laughs> Sir Hugh Munro, fourth baronet. Fourth Baronet. Fourth Baronet. Fourth Baronet, second chair. <laughs> did you just make that up? I did. That's very good. Well, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like somebody in the orchestra. Yes, it does. That's really good. <laughs> um, this guy made a list of all of the mountains over 3,000 feet, and then they called those Monroes because he made the list of them. And if 3,000 feet doesn't sound all that tall... You're oh, that's up there. No, well, no, you're not entirely wrong. Uh, it is. Yes, it is, of course. But, like, relatively speaking, 3,000 feet, yes. Oh, for a mountain. Absolutely well, impressive. Yeah. But, yeah, in terms of mountains generally, it's actually it's not nothing. all that high. Yeah. Scotland's highest peak, Ben Nevis, is 4,413 feet, or around 1,345 meters high. That is beat out in height by a couple of dozen peaks in the state of New York alone. Okay. So we're not talking the world's tallest mountains. They are still mountains. They are absolutely still mountains. But um, I can also confirm through personal observation that uh, a lot of even the small peaks disappear in the clouds because the clouds hang really low over Scotland. It, it makes for a really pretty scenery for sure. Um... Now, somehow, that's where I got when explaining the name Cairngorm. So, back to Cairngorm. So, Cairn is C-A-I-R-N. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it comes from Scottish Gaelic. Like I said, no surprise there. 
a cairn is like a stack of rocks or a pile of rocks that people would use as a marker, sometimes to mark as a burial site. People have been in Scotland since the Neolithic period. Yeah, there have like, been humans in Scotland mm-hmm. since the beginning of humans, and they've used much. rock for a lot <laughs> yeah. of shit. There's a for lot everything. of rock in Scotland. Yeah. Can confirm that, too. Um, so the cairn is like this marker pile of rocks. And gorm, depending on the context, can either be translated as blue or green. So cairn gorm is like blue cairn or, or green cairn, something like that. A blue or green pile of rock. <laughs> yeah. Pretty accurate. Um, also in Gaelic, the mountains are known as, I'm sure I'm not going to say this right, Am Monad Ruad, or the Red Mountains. So depending, they're either blue, red, or green. <laughs> but whatever. Let's get our colors straight. Yes, they're the mountains of many colors. Uh, so Cairn Gorms National Park is the largest national park in the UK around 4,500 square kilometers or almost 2,800 square miles. The park is larger than just the mountains. So it's not like the entire park is just the mountains, but when it comes to the mountains, they are known for dramatic plateaus and rounded summits, not like super sharp peaks. Um, These mountains are sort of like stumps of much taller mountains that used to be there. And between a lot of these plateaus are paths that were created years and years ago uh, by people who drove cattle through the areas. So that's sort of the first version of development you can still see today um, because at at least some passes are pretty much the same and don't really have paved roads and aren't passable by vehicle. Of course, there are plenty of paved roads too, but... Mm. Because the area is so large, the cattle drivers also built some very rudimentary shelters for making their journey. And these shelters were eventually converted into bothies. So a bothie is a very Scottish thing. I absolutely had to look up in Scotland because I saw it in a lot of places, like on signs. Um, A bothie is basically a shelter, an unlocked shelter that's usually free for anyone to use. Okay. Um, very specifically, and there's actually regulations on this, a bothy does not have plumbing or electricity. It's literally just a shelter from the elements. Sure. That's all. Um, so here is an example. This is a bothy in the Cairngorms. Sure. Okay. Like a little rock house, it looks like. Just, but yeah, some place to take shelter. That's and it looks like literally. a little fireplace or um, a chimney, too. So, like, just... To so there is a fireplace. Yeah. I, yeah, I would guess so. It yes. sure looks like it. So... Um, now a lot of the Cairngorms is a subarctic tundra-like environment. Scotland's really far north, if you think yes. about it, longitudinally, longitude, latitudinally, longitudinally. Long. yeah. Oh, north to south, mm-hmm. yes, okay. Long. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and a lot of the weather is actually moderated by being so close to the sea. Sure. On all sides. But once you go up high, (laughs) that changes, right? So um, some people who have climbed summits in Cairngorms who have also climbed in the actual Arctic and in the Himalayan mountains have said that the Cairngorms are like rougher weather, which is pretty wild to think of. Starting in the 1960s, skiing began 
being developed in the Cairngorms, including a ski center and launch. Around the same time, a few additional shelters were built on the aptly named Cairngorm Plateau. Remember I said there were a lot of like plateaus in mm -hmm. uh, these mountains. These shelters were just built by people who wanted there to be more shelters. There was not like a permission. They didn't get permission. They weren't they didn't request it. They weren't granted it to build them. And one of these was known as the Curran Shelter. And I have pictures I put my cue in the wrong place, but here is the Curran Shelter. Or the Curran Bothy, sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's like just a little like a, like a rock pile almost. Basically, you can kind of mm -hmm. see the the shelter part yep. of it a little better here. It's like a metal shelter with rock built up around mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, no, those, those are good to have, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. The idea is, you know, if the weather is is so unpredictable, then you need you places stuck to out shelter for a couple hours yes. if you need to. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um. The Mountain Rescue Committee of Scotland actually saw this shelter, the Curran Bothy, as a bit of a problem. They were afraid that the shelter would make less experienced hikers think it was a great place to stop when, in fact, it could get easily buried uh, in snow okay. in the right conditions. Mm. They wrote to the Nature Conservancy, which was the UK's Agency for Research of Natural Sciences, and expressed their concern, but nothing came of it and the current shelter remained on Cairngorm Plateau. Hmm. So between the amazing plateaus, the domes, the valleys, or glens, and some really amazing flora and fauna, as you can imagine, all these features make the Cairngorms absolutely breathtaking. Here's a picture of the Cairngorms. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's that, that is that looks like a painting. It does. Yep. All of Scotland looks yeah. like a painting. Oh my god, it's just it is beautiful. Um but as for as beautiful as the park and its mountain range are, there's also plenty of danger for those wanting to explore it and plenty of people want to do just that. Sure. In 2018 almost 2 million people visited the park. Hmm. People visit for a variety of reasons and in a variety of ways, including for some unknown reason, camping. I don't know why humans <laughs> camp. Um, the only reason I don't dog on camping more is because our friend Nicole likes to camp, and she's not. She's not. She's not a bad person. She's not a crazy person. So I accept that maybe there are sane people out there who somehow want to do it. Yeah, and plenty. I, well, Quite a few. Um, yeah, I'll just choose to accept it, I guess. <laughs> Unfortunately. So no beaches and no camping. <laughs> no. Yeah, I prefer yeah. no camping, period, and I prefer no beaches, but whatever. Sounds like a real hoot. <laughs> <laughs> um so unfortunately sort of roughing it is uh the precise activity we will discuss in today's disasters yeah kind of you, you had a bit of foreshadowing in there a little bit so the basic premise of this disaster starts out kind of innocuous but gets really sketchy really quick in my opinion in I will admit this is with 2023 eyes, right? And I think that con that has a lot, the time has a lot to do with the context. So in November of 1971, a group of high school students in mm. Edinburgh 
planned to go on a school trip, hiking for the weekends in the Cairnworms. They were students at Ainsley Park Secondary School, kind of on the northwest part of Edinburgh, and they were part of a mountaineering club, uh, which met once a month on Friday. Then they would go and hike and camp and mountaineer for the weekend and then come home. Um, and this weekend, obviously, it was going to be the Cairngorms. So to get to the extreme southern part of Cairngorms National Park from Edinburgh is about a 90-minute drive, at least today. I don't know what the highways were like back then, but um, this is 50 years ago, after all, though, 52 years ago. Um, so it's not like it's like some huge schlep or whatever, you know, to get there. Uh, it wasn't unusual for the school to do like these adventure field trips, sure. I guess. Like the well, I mean, there's a lot to explore. Yes, the in landscape Scotland. exactly. Yeah. The landscape of Scotland is amazing, and yeah. people are outdoorsy, so it's part of the education system, right? It's probably also part of like their fiber too, like their their being. Mm-hmm. Is you know being and their heritage, yeah, and, yeah. being uh, adventurers and explorers, and you know they they literally come from a line of people that were just that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, where things feel like they get sketchy is in the planning of this whole thing, and like I said, maybe this is just because of being in my late thirties and this being fifty plus years after the fact. So. The teacher who led this club and who was going to lead this trip was 23 years old. Um, he was PT, PE teacher. Um, some sources say outdoor education teacher, so adventure teacher. His name was Ben Beatty, and this is Ben, who looks very Scottish slash British. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's us watching the David Beckham uh, documentary and yeah, just be like, while, they look like, British. Um, and after a while, it's like, yeah, we should turn on the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Speaking, we did absolutely have to do that. They're speaking English, but I don't understand <laughs> what they're saying. It's like the, Mick, Mick, <laughs> yeah. speak, speak English. English. <laughs> Drunk and lesbians, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so, in and of itself, like, the idea of a 23-year-old teacher, like, maybe not egregious entirely. He was basically, like, I don't want to say a gym teacher, but, you know, P.E. It was yeah, physical education. Yeah. Um, he was used yeah, he to... Wore, a, he wore, in, this is 1971, so he's wearing, like, mid-thigh shorts. Yes, with big and, uh, and, uh, knee socks. Yes, and a polo. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that, that's all he ever wears. Right. Like, it could be, like, 10 degrees outside. Um... So he was used to, you know, athletic activities. More important, he was an experienced mountaineer. Like, that was his you specialty. Cer- you could certainly be that at 23. Yes, I, I, mean, I agree. I in, agree. In Scotland, you probably get started on that when you're like six. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he was also described as, quote, gregarious and outgoing, end quote. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was, like, the cool teacher at s- school, too, right? And especially, like... I, don't, I actually don't know. I didn't go to high school, but I would think the younger the teacher, the cooler they would be perceived. I don't know. Pro. I mean, yeah. did you have any young teachers at your school? Not really. Not anybody that was that, that young. young. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> when you're, I don't know, your your worldview is so skewed when yes. you're a uh, you know late teenager. You think thirty is old. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, so. 
that's fair. Um, so where it kind of starts getting a little weirder to me is that the other primary chaperone and guide on the trip was Ben's girlfriend, uh, 21-year-old Catherine, Kathy Davidson. Some sources differ and say she was 20. So she was either 20 or 21. It's a little unsure. Um, now, she was also an experienced mountaineer. And she was also attending college to become a PE teacher. So that's great. Ben did not strike me as the type of person that would have a girlfriend. So good <laughs> Get on Ben. <laughs> but the, but the <laughs> judging thing, by that one photo. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, what I'm trying to think is, like, can you imagine your kid being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on this trip, field trip, with my 23-year-old teacher, like, I'm sure the kids didn't put it this way, and his girlfriend, who's, I, like, I, 20 or 21. I mean, it might have just been, like, a normal thing. I like, guess. Uh, who knows? And it's, again, also 1971. Yeah. And I don't know, people who were in their early 20s were basically the equivalent of 35 today, so. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. They wore turtlenecks you know. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the the marker of maturity. Is yes. Who <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, at any rate, Ben is the one who planned the trip. They would take 14 kids from the school across the Cairngorm Plateau to Ben McCooley, which is Britain's second highest peak, the first being Ben Nevis, like I mentioned. Um, it's farther west near Glencoe, which, yes, oh, did, you have I been did to. go to. Yeah. Yes, gorgeous. I've seen, the, I've seen the photos. Yes, you have. So Ben McCooley is pretty close to being right in the middle of the park, basically. So on Friday, November 19th, 1971... Ben, Kathy, and 14 kids, um, boys and girls between the ages of 14 and 18. One source said they were all 15 or 16. So, anyway, between those ages. Ben, Kathy, and 14 kids would be an excellent name for a folk group. <laughs> or or the next Duggar family. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. It could also be a Christian metal band. <laughs> but either way, like... If anybody comes up with those names, we're going to sue you for uh, <laughs> copyright. So they left the high school in Edinburgh and traveled to an outdoor training center called Leganlia in Kincraig, not far from Ben McCooley. At the training center was a volunteer instructor, 18-year-old Sheila Sunderland, who joined Ben and Kathy in leading the group. Uh, aside from their age, which maybe we could just chalk up to being the 70s and people are like, uh, yeah, I mean, then. yeah, I mean, people's sensibilities, we're talking about some, yeah. we're talking about the 70s is mm -hmm. fucking 50 years ago now. Yes. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Jesus. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, yeah. But aside. Every, everything was different. Yes. But aside from that, there are concerns about Ben, Kathy, and Sheila leading this group. So Ben, like I said, was an experienced mountaineer. He had a certification in mountaineering instruction. But he did not have specific experience of... Like being a guide? Well, no, being in the Cairngorms during oh, the winter. okay. Sure. Which we'll talk about a little bit. Um... And Kathy was sort of the inverse. She didn't have as much mountaineering experience as Ben, but she had been hiking in the Cairngorms in, during several winters. So she did know what it, it was like. Poor Sheila. She was like the odd one out. She was pretty new to instructing. She had no experience in the Cairngorms. So this is all happening. This is the biggest sticking point. If this was on July 2nd, all these kids went, you know, 
This is November 19th. This is winter. Yeah. This is basically the winter. Um, in a mountain range that has basically an Arctic tundra environment. Um, to add to that, the Cairngorms are specifically known for severe and rapidly changing weather. Like, that's one mm-hmm. of their Well, that's why they have the, the, what are you, the, like, the little cottages. What are they called again? The Bofies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Specifically um, for that reason. Yeah, basically. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these weather conditions include extremely high winds, which when you've got snow, which there's plenty of up there, can create whiteout conditions. Yeah. Get really confusing really quickly. Mm-hmm. The lowest temperature ever recorded in the United Kingdom was in the Cairngorms. Negative mm. 27.2 Celsius or negative 17 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Wow. And when I said extremely high winds, the highest wind speed in Great Britain was recorded in the Cairngorms. What do you think that speed was? I'm going to go with uh, 173 kilometers per hour. 283 kilometers per hour, which is 176 miles per hour. That is like category five. I was just going to say, yeah, that's, yeah. Yes. Holy fuck. Um, now. Literally, you just get blown off the mountain. Right? Uh, (laughs) yeah. But now I say all of this, but it is important to note by all accounts, the, the group had good gear. Like Mm. they were not like dressed for summer like they had yeah. good gear it's just that if the conditions deteriorate quickly and you know badly enough all the gear in the world isn't going to help you no. you know so the plan was to split the group into two they were going to have like i know yeah, <laughs> there's I always see where this is going it's like the horror yeah. movie don't split yeah. up um so they would have a more beginner group which would be led by kathy and sheila was going to be in that group and that it would consist of four girl. It consisted of four girls: Carol Bertram. There's a reason I'm saying their names: Carol Bertram, Susan Byrne, Lorraine Dick, and Diane Dudgeon, and two boys: William Kerr and Raymond Leslie. And they then there would be a more advanced group, perhaps appropriately, but still annoyingly, it would be led by Ben and consisted of mostly boys. <laughs> but um, whatever. So the idea was that the two groups would take different routes, like. The more less experienced group would take a slightly easier route, and then the more experienced group would take a trickier route, and then they would all meet up at Ben McCooey. The whole educational part of the trip is that the kids would be using like maps and compasses, right? There's a navigational type challenge. Mm-hmm. So the instructors had planned the routes and mapped them out. And they left that plan with the head of the outdoor school that they were at. And that plan was also approved by the head of the outdoor school. So it was like, okay, here's your plan. Looks good. You know, on your way. Uh, And these... (laughs) Off you go. Off you go. And these plans included, like, a plan B for bad weather. Like, what if things go, like, deteriorate with the weather? What do we do? And the plan B was they would take shelter at Curran Bothy. So for the less experienced group, the plan was, and I've got this, this, this is kind of like a general map of where things are. And you can see where it is in Scotland there, but here's kind of just some things we, if we can, or we can refer to it if we need to. Um, but so they were going to climb to the summit 
of Cairn Gorm. So about, like I said, 4,000-ish feet. Then go from there to Loken Bui, basically like a small lock, a small lake. Then they climb down a little from there, descend a little bit, through a ma- mountain pass called Larg Gru, and then end up at a different bothy called Korr Bothy. Okay. So the whole trip was supposed to take about six hours, a little over six hours. Ben gave Kathy information from a weather forecast that things shouldn't be too bad, but there was a forecast for snow and wind. So in order to hit their destinations in a timely manner, Kathy's group would have to leave by 1040 a.m. They got a late start, so they decided we're going to take the chairlift up, Karen Gorm. At least partway, I think they did. Um, It helped them make up some time. Fortunately, they did include in the route lunch. <laughs> they when they went up the mountain, they ate at a group at a restaurant up there, okay. uh, Ptarmigan Restaurant. Uh huh. We, we can keep that there, okay. I guess, just in case we want to refer back to it. Uh, so Ptarmigan Restaurant, which is still around. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Then they reached the summit of Cairngorm at twelve thirty p.m. So okay, making making time. At that point, the wind and the snow was starting to pick up, and it started making hiking a lot more difficult. The problem was the snow wasn't packed. Sure. So they weren't, like, able to walk on top of it or mm-hmm. anything. They were, like, trying to sludge through, through it. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, way more of a pain in the ass. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, eventually, Kathy realized, like, we have to go for plan B. We have to go to Curran Bothy. So they kept going, and eventually, like, 4 p.m. rolled around. And this is getting into, we're up pretty far in the Arctic Circle-ish area here. It was getting we're at, dark. Uh, we're at 1,125 meters, according to this. And, no, the... I no, I mean lat- longitudinally uh, oh. near the... Well, okay. You mean altitude. Is yes. What, uh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, they're up there. They're, they're definitely up there now. Um... So, uh, it, so it's getting dark. They're struggling to move. Kathy is like, there is not hope that we're going to make it to the Bothy. Like, the, the, we're losing hope that we're even going to make it to our plan B. Because she knew that it got snowed under, <laughs> mm-hmm. as we mentioned, in like this type of conditions. Weather conditions. So she decided... Uh, that they should basically make shelter out in the open where they could. Um, it ended up being about 460 meters away from the shelter, or about less than a third of a mile mm-hmm. away from the current Bothy, but she did not know that, and it was very difficult to navigate at the time. So we'll come back to that group. But as for the other group, Ben's group, they were obviously experiencing the same weather conditions. Ben came to the same conclusion, like, we have to go to Curran Bothy. We're not going to make it. But in this case, the group actually did make it to the Bothy around 3.30 p.m. Now, Kathy's instinct was right. The, The shelter was snowed in. But the group dug through the snow so that they could open the door and make it inside. Um, of course, they wound up there alone, which was definitely not the plan. Mm-hmm. But Ben figured that Kathy had managed to make Keep their going. way through, right? Yeah. Maybe find an easier route, something mm-hmm. like that. 
So he wasn't necessarily worried at this point. I mean, it wasn't fun that he had to be there with a bunch of kids that I guess eight kids um, trying least, to weather out the night. At least they're safe. Yeah, they're they're out of the mm, snow, which is a big part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, and now, it looked like with these both these mm-hmm. that they all had fireplaces. Yeah, which depending, maybe they were able to use. I'm not yeah. sure. I did not see information about that. Um, by the time Ben's group made it to the Bothy, the worst of the weather was really just beginning. Uh, but they stuck it out in the shelter overnight. In the morning, when they went to open the door, they like could Couldn't. barely open it. Mm-hmm. They were able to open it far enough that they literally like picked the smallest kid and made him dig out. <laughs> this kid had to like dig, squeeze yes, out, yeah. dig his little way out, and then like eventually make way for everybody else. So everybody was able to get out. Um, now at this point, Ben was and quite rightly really worried about getting the kids back to safety. The weather was still really bad. Mm. Um, under such extreme conditions, so first of all. Extreme weather conditions, anyone's going to struggle with, right? They're like unique, unique issues for children. Um, Children are more likely to continue walking without realizing that they're getting to the end of their stamina. Because they just have little energy, right? Because they have like unlimited fucking, yeah. What feels like unlimited energy, but it can't stand up to those elements. Until it is. Exactly, exactly. So, um... Kids can end, are especially susceptible to winding up confused and disoriented because they're running out of energy and not realizing it. Uh, so this was not a safe situation. But fortunately, the group was able finally to descend from the plateau kind of by the skin of their teeth. It was really dicey, but they did make it. They reached shelter at Rothmarkus Hut to the north of Cairngorm, at 4.30 p.m. This is Sunday. This is the next day. Um, so, because they had stayed overnight. Sorry, I may not have mentioned that. I'm not sure. If the, they you left did. on Friday. They yeah, stayed overnight. Yeah, started on Saturday. Uh, they were able to phone for Leganlia Outdoor Center. They sent a car or van or what, a vehicle. They got, got on the vehicle, left around 5.30 p.m., taken back to the Outdoor Center. And, of course, at this point, they're like, where's the other group? Where's Kathy's group? Because remember, Ben thought she made it down. Sure. She and the kids made it down. But So now rewinding a little bit. Saturday night, while Ben's group had been sheltering at the Bothy, Kathy's group was bivouacking on an open mountain face. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for all involved, Kathy had unwittingly chosen a part of the plateau known for snow accumulation. Mm. Um, This is going to get really bad really quick. Just a heads up. The kids, Kathy and Sheila, all like huddled up in sleeping bags with polythene bags over them, which I imagine are like waterproof type bags. Mm. The kids tried to be positive, apparently even like trying to sing to keep their spirits up and themselves awake. The situation, it got really bad really quickly. Um, the group started becoming literally buried in snow, mm-hmm. which is obviously incredibly panic-inducing. There's not much information about, like, the exact overnight experience, which we'll get to why. Um, but 
by Sunday morning, one kid was literally buried in the snow. Hmm. Um, he could be heard yelling from under the snow. But at this point, like, no one was any in much of any condition to do anything. Sheila was basically incapacitated. She could barely stay conscious. Hmm. Um, Kathy and William, so Raymond was the one buried, uh, were conscious enough and strong enough to actually be able to stand up and like try and walk for help but they were literally still in the middle of a blizzard on a mountain they basically couldn't walk more than a few yards their only option was to like stay there and try to wait it out uh the rest of the day and then throughout the night um they were screaming for help of course no one heard because there, there. I mean, there weren't people close by. No. But even, even if there had been, with the wind and everything, and the altitude and everything, um, in what is just the most terrifying thing ever, they were slowly becoming buried by snow and could not do anything about it. They literally could not. Um, by that night, one of the girls had become buried in snow. Hmm. So, like, literally, children are disappearing under yeah. the snow, and. They could still hear Raymond shouting from under the snow. It's kind of wild to me that he's even still alive at this point. But, um, Of course, that Sunday evening, Kathy's group was reported missing, right? They're like, where the fuck is this group? Got it. Uh, that was, an exact, was not an exact quote from Ben, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, because Ben's group made it out safely, where's Kathy? So six rescuers immediately set out to find them, even though it was in the middle of a blizzard at night. Other mountain rescue teams were like, okay, we cannot go right now, but we will set off first thing in the morning, right? We need light. We need to hope the weather settles down a little bit. By early on Monday, November 22nd, weather conditions were bad still, but they were like on the trend to improve. Yeah. So they were able to send out a total of 50 rescuers along with helicopter, air support, and search. So these are 1970s photographs, but here's some rescuers. You can see it. It's, it is extremely snowy. Oh, yeah. It, like, that's all you can see. It looks, yeah. like, it looks like Hoth from uh, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Bamer Mountain Rescue Team trekked to Korobothi, Bothy, sorry, the other Bothy that they thought, you know, Kathy's group was going to end at. Of course, that was empty. The helicopter, like, was struggling to make progress under the weather conditions, but it was able to get up to the mountain, made an air search of various shelters. They flew over the current shelter, the one that the group was supposed to be at. Of course, Kathy's group wasn't there. They kind of knew that because of um, the fact that Ben's group had been there the night before, but not Kathy's. But nearby, they spotted what they thought was a red tent. Mm. Um, what, again, this is disturbing. What they were actually seeing was an orange jacket. Specifically, mm. they were seeing Kathy's orange jacket. She had managed to have it in her. She decided to try and go back out for help. Um, she was not able to walk. She was literally crawling on her hands and knees mm-hmm. through the snow. The pu- because of weather and snow, the pilots had to land about 64 meters or 70 yards away from her. 
made their way to Kathy. They tried to help her up. Her legs were locked. She could not stand up. Like, her knees would not unbend. Mm. Um, she was airlifted to Aviemore, where she was met by um, an ambulance. And this I found kind of wild. It, it's not, you know, the best photo, but there is a photo of her being taken out of... And clearly, I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't really see much of anything from the photo, but she was in incredibly bad shape. Yeah. She was not. She was not okay. She was not in good shape. Um, She was essentially in the end stages of hypothermia. Mm. Uh, I put hyper, yeah, no, hypothermia. She was disoriented and confused. Her hands were literally frozen solid. Sure. Her knees are locked up. She was barely able to speak. But despite all of this, she managed to say, Faith Bowie buried and burn. Burn in this context in Scottish Gaelic is like a a little river. Mm. It was enough information for them to kind of figure out where she was talking about. Yep. So they they homed in on the area. They waited through, and you can, it's marked Mm. on this map. they at sometimes they had to go through snow that was waist deep to finally get to the place where Kathy described. They had to dig through the snow, and they found Sheila, Carol, Susan, Lorraine, Diane, and William were mm. all dead. Yeah. They also initially thought the second boy, the first kid to get buried in snow, Raymond, was dead. They went to move his body. His hand moved a little bit, and they realized he was breathing. My God. Yeah. So Sergeant John Duff of the Mountain Rescue Team, like, wrapped him up in a parka and tried to warm him up while they waited for air support. And he was eventually air va- evacuated. So now Kathy and Raymond, you know, they're receiving medical assistance. And they're like, okay, that was the rescue part. We're now at recovery. And there's, mm-hmm. Everyone else is dead. Um, because of the weather conditions and the timing, they couldn't remove... The victims yet. No. They had to carry them to like slightly higher ground, mark the area and leave them. And then they had to come back the next day to recover them. And this is them taking one of the bodies out of the helicopter. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that's all horrifying. That's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. It's terrible. Um Amazingly, Raymond made a full recovery. This child buried in the snow okay. made a full recovery. This is him with his dad. Afterwards. Okay. Yep. No kidding. Yep. He became a world-class canoeist. Okay. So. Makes yay, sense. Yay, Raymond. Yes. Good for you. Kathy also mentioned to reco- managed to recover. I did not see specifics anywhere about, like, to what dis- extent she may have been disabled or um, had permanent physical damage due to her injuries or anything. Um, she finished school. Okay. She eventually emigrated to Canada. Um, and neither Raymond nor Kathy spoke publicly about the incident. Yeah. Do not blame them. One no. bit. Absolutely not. So, um, Ben was hired at Glenmore Lodge in the Cairngorms. Okay. Um, ironically and really tragically, 
he managed to lead his group to safety in 1971. He died seven years later. He was on on an expedition with a group climbing Nanda Devi in the Himalayan mountains. He slipped and fell 2,500 feet to his death. Oh my god. Yeah. Like the rest of the group was fine. He just slipped and fell. It's horrible. That is, yeah. That's awful. It is. So obviously there was an inquiry into the trap. I mean, children, five, well, Sheila also was not very old. Basically six kids died. Um, so it was found that the consent forms that the school had had the parents of the Mountaineering Club kids sign made no mention that they would be going out in the winter to the mountains, and only one of the parents even knew that they were going to the Cairngorms. Like, they knew they were going out for the weekend, they didn't know that they were going to the Cairngorms. So there wasn't even really the opportunity for them to be like, uh, Uh, you sure? Maybe not. So there were some consent issues from the parents, um... Ultimately, no one was specifically held responsible for the tragedy. Um, several rec- several recommendations were made, but it was along the lines of, like, proper training for mountaineering, better parental information and consent, certifications, qualifications of instructors. Um, a lot of concerns were also raised about children going out on expeditions like this. But then there was also some pushback of like, well, we don't want to discourage outdoor activity. It was like, there was a lot of back and forth about this stuff. Um, After some back and forth between the government, the British Mountaineering Council, a mountain leader training board, they decided to require like specific certification for these type of expedition leaders. I mean, the funny thing is, it sounds like they're handling it maturely. Yeah, instead of reactionarily. (laughs) This exact same thing happened in the United States like this past winter. Uh, like Fox News would have been like, these counselors uh, were going to going up this mountain to teach them about gender affirming care, <laughs> right. and like it would have gone that way. And uh, Jesus Christ, like, right. was, yeah, maybe nineteen seventy one was better. <laughs> um, all it needed let's was not, all it needed was the internet. <laughs> let's not go there. But um, I think uh, women and people of color might disagree. That's true. <laughs> Among others, well, uh, anyone who's non-gender conforming, anyone who's this, not straight, I'm talking about Scotland. There are, there are no people of color. <laughs> um, now, th- the parents, there was, like, a lot of concern by the parents. And they sure. pushed back a whole lot yeah. more, but, yeah. Um, controversially, the inquiry recommended taking away the bothies at high elevations mm. to discourage people from thinking that it was okay to take shelter and they would be reliable. Others thought, no, at least have something there. It might help save people, you know, yeah. whatever. The outcome is a little confusing. I'm not sure I could really understand it, but, um, I did see that at least one of the shelters was destroyed. Current bothy. <laughs> So that well, on is this, not on this there map, anymore. you've got uh, several of them that have been yeah demolished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe it did. It was hard to tell from the research or from the sources I found. But. In 1996, Sheila Sunderland's mother said, "Quote: You never forget it. It was such a dreadful waste of young people. The decision to split the parties up should never have been taken." Oh well, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> In 2011, Diane Judgeon's father said that the pain of losing his teenage daughter never left him. He said, quote, it's always just there, just under the surface of your skin. It never, ever really goes away, end quote. In 2001, Sergeant John Duff, the one who, like, wrapped uh, Raymond in his parka, said, quote, 
To be honest, they were virtually dead before they set off. It was simply a badly planned expedition. I've spent my life picking up bodies out of the mountains, but with children, it's different. They were such needless deaths. It was such a terrible, terrible waste of young lives. Mm. And that was the story of the Karen Barnes Plateau disaster. The worst disaster in British mountaineering history. And also worse Great Britain. Worse in the sense that all these people suffered. There was nothing. Yeah, there's. There was it, nothing quick about this. These were. It is really horrible, and don't want to dwell on it for very long. But these were kids. Yep. They. It was scary, and it took a while. Mm-hmm. That none of that is good. That's really shitty. That's really shitty. Yeah. And what a horrible that it. Oh, I hate. Oh, why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like. When we're able to find the silver lining that, oh, they died quick. <laughs> At least there's that. There's no silver lining in no, this one. No, there's not. This is all, all shades of horrible. It's just terrible. And I really just hope that Kathy and Raymond, like, found some version of, yeah. like, moving on. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it being even close to... Subversion. Some version, exactly. Yeah, there, I don't think you ever move on entirely. From no, like this, no, yeah. it's trauma, and that stays with you. Yeah, um, especially in 1971, I don't think there was a huge amount of mental health support. That's true too. Yeah, that's yeah. So, yeah. So Raymond would probably be like pushing 70 by now. I was now. just gonna say he'd be uh, like 65 plus by now. Yeah. Yeah, and Kathy just a little older than that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully they're okay and living their best little lives. Well, that that was not a fun disaster. It was not at all. It was horrible. As if any of them are. It was horrible. But, uh, Do you have a, a funny or lighthearted disaster that you were thinking of doing? Uh, no. I, oh, okay. I had a... <laughs> Well, I had something. Uh, I had something kind of more terrifying in mind. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but um, the problem with it is, so there is something I'm considering doing. Uh, the problem with it is, um, not it's never not ever been confirmed that this thing actually happened. Really. And it is pretty gruesome, and it involves it, but it takes place during a war. So, huh. but anyway. Well, that's interesting that if there's not confirmation it actually happened. Correct. But there's all sorts of reasons for oh, that. Okay. So it's, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So if anybody can figure out what I'm talking about, <laughs> you'll win a pat on the back. <laughs> um. Also, to mention, and I don't even know why I'm mentioning it because I'm still not sure what the call will be. It is already somehow two months till Christmas. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm not 100% sure of what we'll do for the gift exchange this year. Okay. Yeah. There's, that's, it's, that's, that's fair. Yeah. T- to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> TBD on that I was one. considering maybe, because we've had, it, there, there are challenges to it logistically and, you know, getting a hold of people and some stuff. So I was wondering if maybe, like... Something a little more inclusive and even more anti-capitalist might be like a postcard exchange. That could be kind of fun and cute. You know, you only have to pick a fun 
or a cool postcard and then send it to somebody. That could be kind of neat. Yeah. With like a fun stamp. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know what you think. <laughs> we can we can figure it out. For the couple but... hundred of you that have made it this far yes, in the episodes, exactly. just let us know. <laughs> and with that, uh, well, that was the Karen Gorms Plateau Disaster. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. <laughs>